Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a weekly podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It is me, your unqualified captain, Colin Brandon, and joining me today is... Mark Botker. Jason. Matt Botker. I'm Ben Young. I'm Bill Jarvis. And today we are talking about Avenue 5, the latest uh, dark sci-fi comedy, I guess that's the way to say it, from HBO. Uh, just aired this past January. Um, before we get into that, though, let us throw it over to Ben Young for the news. Okay. Uh, in case you've been living under a rock, on Saturday, SpaceX and NASA succeeded in launching astronauts Bob Behnken and Doug Hurley. Uh, this marks the first time in 10 years that Americans have been launched into space from American soil, and the first time ever that a private commercially made spacecraft has carried astronauts. So it's a big deal! Uh, the launch was a success, including the landing of the Stage 1 Falcon 9 rocket, and Bob and Doug arrived safely at the International Space Station the next day and had a fun little ceremony starring Ted Cruz. <laughs> that was a big deal. Wait, seriously? Ted Cruz was there? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, was yeah, at, yeah. he was at Houston Control. He, oh, I thought you were like, saying he was at the space right. station. I was like, I fucking knew it. Ted Cruz is <laughs> Damn, <laughs> Damn you, Ted Cruz! He's like, hey, I beat you. <laughs> I um yeah no I was super super excited about that I mean uh, having the solid landing and of course I still love you the drone ship and like just having like two two astronauts be launched you know on American soil commercial rocket I mean it was just beautiful my son and I watched it and we had fun so he looked super excited in the video <laughs> he posted he was playing with his tablet the entire time in case you're unaware <laughs> I would, uh, <laughs> but I yeah, was super bummed that I missed the actual launch. Uh, me and Colin watched like an hour of the pre-launch first day, and then I wasn't able to watch the second day. Big bummer. I uh, I was actually at work, and I purposely went to the bathroom <laughs> to watch the launch. Yeah, I was, I was, I was out, and uh, someone's like, "Oh shit, they're launching!" and pulled out their phone, and we just watched on there. So, I uh, good stuff. I had myself up for that. I was like screaming in my living room. I was like, I didn't think I'd be so <laughs> excited, but because my kids were there, I wanted to hype them up. But like, then I started yeah. getting hyped up, and I started getting so excited. <laughs> I was just like so happy. I was like shaking like a little dog. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry, Mark. Less exciting. This, oh no, he was like, gave me a face like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, Deadline reports that Bloomhouse and UCP are working on a TV series that will serve as a sequel to Lee Wanell's 2018 sci-fi thriller Upgrade, starring Tom Hardy. Uh, the series is co-created and executive produced by Wanell and Tim Walsh. Walsh will serve as showrunner. And Wanell is set to direct. Uh, the series picks up a few years after the events of the film and broadens the universe with an evolved version of STEM. Oh, I got a burp and a new host. Uh, I didn't watch the movie, so I don't know what any of that means. It's a pretty good movie. All right, we'll probably talk about it then. But Bloomhouse, that's cool. I guess they did the movie too, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> cool, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the world is a dystopian nightmare. 
Anyway, that does it for the news. For all the latest and greatest sci-fi news, follow us at facebook.com slash sci-fi cross-sections and on Twitter at SF cross-sections. Back to you, Overlord. All right. Thank you, Ben, for that very positive take on the news. Um, As I said before, we're here to talk about the first season of Avenue 5. Uh, Avenue Avenue 5 was created by Armando Lanucci, for those who are not... um, familiar with him he's done the popular hbo political satire show veep as well as um the uh 2017 movie the death of stalin which i still haven't seen yet but i really wanted to watch i heard that yeah that looks really good oh just the cast alone makes it look amazing the show stars hugh laurie josh gad zach woods rebecca front Susie nakamura lenara kutschlau and uh, those last two, uh, Nikki Amuka Bird and Ethan Phillips. Anyways, yeah, the show aired in January 2020. Um, just after its run, it was actually renewed for a second season in February. Yeah, it's nine episodes, each running at about 30 minutes long. Before we jump too far into it, though, Ben, what is this show about? When a gravity shift knocks a luxury cruise liner in space off course and adds three years to their trip, Captain Ryan Clark and Chief Engineer Billy McAvoy must keep the wealthy, spoiled, and stupid passengers of Avenue 5 from killing themselves or each other, all while trying to find a faster way home. It's Avenue 5. Guys, it just sunk in how we just had a private corporation send a spaceship out. Mm. <laughs> and then we are now reviewing a <laughs> a luxury space mm-hmm. cruiser with a bunch of rich and privileged people on it. Very fortunate timing. <laughs> um, I was <laughs> what I was gonna say is um, uh, just meta meta right now. I love Ben how you went from Don Lafontaine last time to the Disney like trailer voice, which is <laughs> it's perfectly appropriate for this. Thanks. Yeah, it's wacky wacky antics. I think it was more the South Park. Rob Schneider is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. No. Uh, I wish you could have done the uh, the Zach Woods. He's the guy that plays Matt. <laughs> Someone plays Matt. <laughs> yeah, on the on the podcast, we actually hired an actor to, to play Matt. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's actually Chris. Chris Bodker plays Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, who? No, he doesn't exist. The meta just grows. Um, <laughs> just so big. I'm going to kind of get into it later, but I thought that was actually how you pointed out the parallels between reality and this fiction. Um, <laughs> you get a billionaire or trillionaire, whatever you want to call him, who has like zero skills running a company <laughs> full of advanced scientists <laughs> running a spaceship in, in space. It's like, oh, man. Yeah. He made PayPal, yeah, well, man. He made PayPal. It certainly it certainly feels like a criticism right off the bat. It's it's not. There's there's nothing in common between the two, aside from it's a private company in space. Uh I mean, well, this is the you said this is from the creator of Veep, and I didn't know that actually. And Veep is is historic for being absolutely fucking ruthless in their satire, so 
I would say that, yeah, there's probably a good chance it was intentional. Fair enough. They they probably, like, played up Josh Gad's character, Judd, to be, like, more of an idiot than Elon Musk probably, you know, probably is. I don't know him. Uh, but it's, uh, it's probably definitely like, like, like they, like Matt said, it's, it's this, the parallels are there and the satire is, uh, poignant. I think it's the word. Okay. So going into the show, I had been watching from a distance, Matt watching this, uh, for like when it first started airing in like January, February. And he was very lukewarm on it the whole time. He was like, oh, it's, it's, it's okay. It's good. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, that's bad prospects. And then we added it to the list to cover. I'm like, great, we're going to watch Avenue 5. Matt didn't seem enthused. And then I guess after all that's been happening in our world the last couple months, plus all the heavy-hitting sci-fi we've been doing the last couple months, this was the exact fucking thing I needed to cover tonight. Needed to cover this week on Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, and I couldn't be happier we did it. And it was honestly more of a don't want to overhype it. It's not like groundbreaking by any means, but I was really enjoying it, which is why I kept watching it before we even had it on the docket. Like, <laughs> I just want to say like how enjoyable this this show was for me and Emily. It was one of the first like sci-fi things that I watched with her that she actually looked up and she was like, I love this show. And I was like, oh, I feel so good. I feel so bonded with you. <laughs> I, feel like, I, I feel like we actually see eye to eye on something. That's funny. Well, I feel like I actually love you. No, I, uh, it's a joke. I would definitely say the show to me, I mean, it was nice because it was so breezy. I feel like a lot of the content that we cover, they're, you know, hour long, like full hour episodes on these streaming services. And, you know, it's been very difficult. I know for me, uh, specifically the last few months to kind of keep on shows and work with the shows that we've been covering. Um, Usually I get it done when I do get it done. But this one was kind of nice because uh, it it certainly was, you know, bite-sized chunks. It was easy to do a 28 or 29-minute episode. So, that was good. Um, I actually binged it over the last couple days and it was very manageable to do. So, that was kind of nice. Um, I will say, I mean, I'm kind of in the middle on the show. Like, I certainly didn't hate it, but I certainly didn't love it either. I think I probably came away from it a little bit in the middle. Uh, I will say, though, that... I think it got better as it went on. I think it was a little bit more, I don't know, kind of stumbled for me a little bit out of the gate, but it it recovered. And by the end of it, I was genuinely invested, you know, in what's going to happen next. Um, And I thought there was at least one thing in every episode that was like a really good gag or like that was really like funny. Uh, And they excelled at that. I don't think there was an episode that had, you know, like the the half hour went by and I didn't say like, oh, that was clever. That was funny or that was kind of cool. So, I mean, I appreciated that. And I think that kind of is the proverbial carrot that kind of keeps you keeps you along for the ride um, of the nine episodes. I just want to talk about my favorite gag or favorite big thing that happened. The fucking airlock scene can we talk about that for a second (laughs) that was the best goddamn thing ever well yeah because it was instant that's all that's that's all i want to say the best thing was it was instantaneous it was like the minute they they opened the damn door they were just frozen and they started literally falling apart like 
And then uh, Hugh Laurie's, uh, we just saw him get a man get desiccated. <laughs> he was desiccated right in front of us. <laughs> I just thought the, the word choice there was hilarious, and he played that scene perfectly. And and that that one had me laughing for sure. Oh. It's it's funny how they they uh, prefaced this whole scene with like, well, comedy is tragedy plus time, right? That's and it. And so yeah. like. The first airlock was like horrifying. It was like, oh my god. And then the second one was like, oh come on. <laughs> and the third one was just hysterical at that point. Like it was just so stupid where I was like I was so like I didn't even care anymore. I was like, all right, this is Yeah, hilarious. and they even did the callback on the third one with the like her hand breaking off and they're like, why would anyone do that as a graphic? I don't know if this is a visual effect. <laughs> it's VFX. I don't know if you oh, know what that Oh, God, means. that was so good. It's visual effects. <laughs> the, and they'd use, I think they used the rule of three on that. That was good. It was perfect. Rule of three. This this show is great at using the rule of three. Also, you can they say, do. You can do something three times, and then you got to stop. I, I feel like the airlock scene also is probably how this would shake down in real life. All it would oh, take absolutely. was one spark of somebody doubting it and everybody else who just wants to be home is just going to lie to themselves and say that it's all fake. Because why would you trust absolutely. the crew and the scientists and the. <laughs> uh, well, and, and well, especially because now they learn like that the crew are, are actors. Yeah, like, all the I actors mean, on the bridge. It's because <laughs> by that point, we've all taken it as like, oh, we understand why they did it. And we see their actual crew, but they don't know that they're just catching this off for the first time. Yeah. And and you, you like I was like, you know, try and tell them, try and tell them. But like at that point, like you can't reason with those kinds of people anymore. And I think that's kind of the whole point of this show is like, I mean, like look at Karen, who is literally named Karen. Yeah, that was yes. so I loved it. Oh, my God. My just my favorite gag. And, and this is no uh, no bearing on, on plot or or anything. It, it just I thought it was just the funniest fucking thing was the uh, the episode where there's an oxygen leak and the beeping is happening. First of all, there everyone's reactions to the beeping. Brilliant, brilliant character work. Second of all, when uh, Spike is telling everyone about the leak and every time someone new comes to the conversation, they're like, cover your mouth, cover your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, I just, the, the show is, you know, I, I am not surprised that the, uh, that the creator of Veep made this. I haven't watched Veep all the way through, but I watched about three seasons and Veep is just hysterical nonstop. And this show is not, nearly even close to the level of veep but its style is there and i i've always, i was like thinking that throughout so now that colin said that earlier it makes a lot of sense yeah i mean i, I think it's like a biggest strength of the show i feel like is the cast uh because those characters even though there's some that i liked more than others i mean they're 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 definitely all committed to it you know you can tell i thought like it's kind of funny because uh, my wife Jess is um, watching House right now, so she discovered mm. House. So I'm sitting on the couch <laughs> watching Avenue Five, and she's at the kitchen table with her, you know, <laughs> her MacBook watching uh, House. So it's kind of funny. It's like Hugh Laurie's on all of our screens in the house, but like, I don't know. Like he's he's just great. I mean, he's great in everything he's in. Um, but you know, a lot of the the 
side characters as well because it is it's a huge cast um all things considered uh I, th- I thought they all played it with conviction and even like the really goofy characters like i think uh um uh, the character matt obviously i mean i i enjoyed oh, his yeah. character i thought he was really funny just because of his delivery and kind of his his overall demeanor um i was not a fan of uh judd <laughs> I just, I don't know. I, he was a little one note for me. I know that was the point, but like after a few episodes, it was kind of like, all right, man. But I, I don't know. I really liked a lot of the side characters too, like the uh, the quarrelsome couple. I thought their back and forth was, oh, was pretty oh. funny. Um, that always <laughs> so got a laugh out of me. Um, the uh, comedian, uh, Jordan was his name. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, sh- oh, the shoehorn jokes. I really, I really <laughs> loved his character i'm sad that they kind of you know stuck him in the outs uh right there at the end because i was really liking kind of the relationship that was building between the two of them and like his screen time in the end oh jordan and billy yeah Mm. yeah but i feel like jordan as a character like they were bringing him more into like centerfold and i don't think he would flourish there i think he's best like hopping in and out so putting him on the outs with billy i think might be for the best for season two. I've only ever seen him in two things, and I've loved him both times. That oh yeah, as an actor, he's amazing. Well, I want to talk about Zach Woods. I don't know as Matt Spencer, oh. the Matt. Oh god, he's so good. Has anybody watched Silicon Valley? Has anybody watched Silicon Valley? No, no, no okay, not yet, dude. It's a treat. If you if you, whenever you get time, just focus on Zach Wood's character. It's almost it's it's not exactly the same. He's very very neurotic in that way, but the fact that he had like such I'm not not gonna say gallows humor, but just such dark humor, just <laughs> every single scene. He's just like if you like drinking, like my father did. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's that's the thing is Zach Wood's character kept giving you little. St- uh, snippets of what his like childhood was like and what his life was like <laughs> leading up mm-hmm. this, this entire s- season. It's just so fucking dark. You know how he's so good, and it's like the deadpan delivery. He's so fucking good at that, and it's like that. It was his entire character in Silicon Valley. Although I don't like, I don't like how Silicon Valley is pushed out to like three seasons now. Um, that first season is brilliant, and watching Zach Woods and that is just brilliant. So I suggest if you ever get time, watch Silicon Valley. Yeah, I've seen some clips with him in it, and he's he's always been really funny in the clips. So, yeah. Um, hey, he, go ahead. I was gonna. I just want to keep going on some of the cast here. Uh, I thought that uh, Susie Nakamura, who played Iris, oh, was fucking hilarious. I think if Iris wasn't there, Judd's character would have been useless. Yeah, oh absolutely. yeah, sure. Together, sure. I think they were just like one character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I do agree that it. At certain points, his character seemed so over the top, like, come on. I just want something to develop here without him, like, shitting on it. And it, like, but that's literally the point of his character at the same time. He does it so well. They do such a good job with making you hate him and you, like, you almost like him. And every time you start to like him for some reason, you're just, like, Never mind, not worth keeping him around. <laughs> so, uh, I feel like it's <laughs> too soon here because Judd's character is actually, I think, one of the more important parts of the, uh, I don't want to say thesis, but one of the things they're trying to get across here. Um, so, one, on one end, I think this show is about corporate culture. 
um, and you get a, a ton of people who don't belong in their positions and some people who have no business like being as invested in the business as they are they can own it but you know uh, Judd's character should not be making the decisions that he's making <clears throat> and I don't want to get political but I'm going to get political <laughs> this screams as a critique on the current administration mm. Judd mm. is Donald Trump and he surrounds himself with people who probably shouldn't be in the positions that they're in. Uh, with he's even got blonde hair. The, uh, the gilded office with the skulls of the Beatles. Oh, yeah! <laughs> Incredible. Oh my god! Wasn't John Lennon cremated? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did he say? It was uh, speaking. Speaking. No, I'm sorry. I just, I was going to say that that was kind of a funny uh, aside there. Uh, someone brought up when they said, oh, wasn't John Lennon cremated? And it was like the skull of uh, one of the guys from the monkeys. I caught that reference and that was pretty funny because it was like very understated, but it was like, oh shit, that was clever. Yeah, definitely. I didn't, I didn't recognize the name, but now that you said that, that's fucking I, hilarious. I, didn't I wanted it to just look it up, the show just kept going. And so I like didn't have a moment to breathe, you know? So, speaking of uh, critique on administration, I think one of the most interesting parts of the of the whole first season was a look at uh, how government works in the future. Um, how the White House, first of all, is in Buffalo, New York yeah. now. Not sure why that is. Was Buffalo the original capital? No, it wasn't, right? No, that was Philadelphia. No, that's not right either. There was a capital in New York for a time, wasn't there? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. New York City was the capital. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure why they chose Buffalo, but I liked how um, the the White House seemed to be like a co-working space. Yeah. A, a, ca <laughs> a business, like a casual co-working space. Mm -hmm. Like a tech uh, company or something, just like everybody's it, just casual. Because it's it's interesting to think about like kind of the future and how like millennials will decide to run things and Gen Z will decide to run things. It's, it's interesting to look at that and go, huh, maybe not like to that extreme, but like, I, you know, like I get what they were saying and I think that was funny. And, and furthermore, uh, the, the interesting concept of quote, the other president, yes. <laughs> <laughs> For those who haven't watched the show and are just listening and the other president being a uh, literally a, a, a robocall representative, basically. Yeah, it was it was like, right. Like, is yeah, that it was what like they were a Google at? assistant, yep. basically. <laughs> yeah. Which was <laughs> that decided I, that 500 people needed to die. <laughs> send it to the ethics subcommittee i'm not sure if that's like there if that's like a critique on if that's like i'm not sure if that's like some boomer critique on millennial and their reliance on technology but like that kind of felt like what that was maybe but the concept was interesting regardless because it comes down to like um some thoughts I've always had on the future and the idea of like, well, why don't we let a computer make our decisions based on logic? And, uh, you know, we we program it. And then at that point, we make it uncorruptible and just kind of let it do its thing. And that's basically what that is. It's like 
It's like, yeah, uh, we can give you funding. We'll we'll transfer it from the National Child Welfare Act, uh, Fund. Uh, no big deal. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> That's how also, it works. Also, could you, could you kill 500 people to make this more cost efficient? And... <laughs> That that that's a a nice cold look at a possible future. I just I also love the gag where it was just like the like millennial ass chick in like a hoodie was just like yeah I'm Secretary of State or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> dude's looking. Does anyone have a wax or my my crossbow string? Oh, he's waiting for his question. <laughs> <laughs> So another theme, actually, that I wanted to talk about this was the uh, commercialism. Also really enjoyed that um, with uh, Judd's products constantly being advertised. Judd Light. Mm-hmm. Judd Light. <laughs> oh, Judd Light. <laughs> if if HBO doesn't actually partner with a brewery to make Judd Light in no. the next year, I'm going to be You can't drink that. It, 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 hurts, it hurts more coming out than it does going in. Doesn't he say it burns? <laughs> Or something. <laughs> it burns when you pee. I thought he said it's like pissing fire. It was, I swear <laughs> it was something like that. That was it. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. No, it, it was interesting. Um, to the point where they didn't actually even, from my understanding, they didn't actually even have real food on the ship. They had at one point. Um, Billy says, "No, we have we have plenty of food. It's flavoring we're running <sighs> out of." So they don't, it's not like they have like chicken. It's not like they have like bananas. In fact, at one thing, at one point, I think they said everything at a dinner is banana flavored that day. And it was kind of weird. Um, so that, that kind of probably means some sort of like replicator situation, um, that then flavors it, uh, which then just ties back to the fact that like Judd is, wants to keep his his control of everything he doesn't want to have things that aren't directly related to judd on the ship uh you know very very modern corporate kind of thing yeah i mean that's that's kind of my take on it too it's like the everything about avenue five the ship is a facade you know you've got the bridge the fancy bridge um that is basically just a facade nothing there actually controls anything everyone that is there they say several times though they're all you know re- really pretty but none of them are qualified to do anything they're actors and then you lift up like the dank you know hatch on the floor and it's all the talented engineers and scientists down there that are actually running the ship and crunching the numbers and they're like living in squalor and it's like fluorescent lights and you know so i think it's kind of interesting too uh, I, th- I think colin brought the point up about you know people being in positions that maybe they're not qualified for and um kind of uh, facilitating that facade in, in corporate culture. Um, I certainly think that that is also kind of another jab at that because you've got kind of this um, facade where things look, they look much better than they are, but it's all paper thin. It's all just cardboard cutouts. And then you've got folks like, um, you know, our, our engineer, I'm trying to remember her name now. Um, Billy. Billy. It was Billy. So like you've got like her yeah, really McAvoy McAvoy yeah like like you have her character who's just like extremely competent and like probably you know one of if not the most competent people on board <laughs> throughout the entire season, um, but all of those folks are just relegated to the background. You know, it's like don't don't look at them. You know, 
uh, hit the the dimmer switch button and make it look good. You know, I think that there was that one gag that was funny too early on where uh, uh, Hugh Laurie's character uh, he's like, I don't even know how the steering wheel thing pops out or whatever. And she's like, Oh, that's my other button over <laughs> here. You know, like it's just all fake. Um, so I don't know. I kind of liked that. I thought that was that was interesting when you start to actually kind of find out what's going on behind the scenes on the ship because it is. It's kind of it's got this funny kind of sheen on it, but it's it's actually kind of sinister when you actually think about what's going on. Truthfully, though, the best gag in the show was the the orbiting shit around the oh. ship. Oh, and the Pope facade. So, like, <laughs> yeah. So oh my to God. break it to break it down. The the ship is protected, and I don't know the science behind this, Bill. I don't know if you're aware of this. The wetsuit uh, the science ship is protected from <laughs> radiation <laughs> through a shield of shit um, of human feces, and it needs to be vented. And it break the vent breaks, and it's uh, orbiting the ship because it's such a large uh, body of mass that it has its own orbital field. So, um, right off the bat, Judd, the corporation, literally surrounds them in a circle of shit. It's just nothing but shit, okay? And everyone's upset about it. Judd needs to fix it, so Judd decides, I'm going to get lasers outside the ship to shine pretty lights onto the shit. He does. And people are wowed, wowed by it for a moment. But that's not what gets people. What gets people is seeing an image of Pope John Paul II in the lights and shit. And so now people have forgotten they're completely mad about the shit because of a very cost-effective solution to the problem and are now not just not mad about the shit, but worship the shit. <laughs> They literally are out there on the deck worshiping shit. And I thought that was the greatest metaphor for human existence there could ever be. We we, we will let these companies shit all over us and then we will turn around and not just say it's okay, but we will worship the fucking pile of hell they put down upon us. I just thought that was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, to to take that a step further, because I'm glad you said that, because it actually made me think about it. I don't think I caught that on my uh, my watch through, but there's quite a few instances of that type of thinking or of characters kind of manipulating events to those ends throughout the course of the show. Yeah. The the next biggest one I could think of is when um, they task Karen as the you know chief uh, passenger liaison to talk with everyone and say, hey, so the calculations were fucked up. So in reality now we've got, you know, a much longer voyage. Oh, my God. And then she has that whole scene where she's like, they said it was going to be five years. And I said, no, if you can't come back and, you know, do three and a half years for me, then. And that was kind of funny because obviously the whole situation is absurd. But when you think about it, like you're you're really trying to sell a worst case scenario and like a bad situation to all these people. And it's just goofy how all the people just eat it up. I mean, they love it. And she Except comes out as the hero, um, which I think is great. I think it kind of factors into what you're, uh, what point you're making there, Ben. 
Absolutely. And, and one guy even questions her. One guy is like, wait a second. That doesn't and make sense. And everyone is just like, shut the fuck up. We're going home in three and a half years. It's great. <laughs> I uh, I love when uh, when Karen is like in charge of uh, dumping all the stuff or jettisoning everything, oh. and she puts it in the wrong airlock because it's more efficient to like, do it this way. She, it's more efficient. You can get more stuff in there. And, <laughs> and at the at the end of the day, like like I feel like that's not even just a criticism. That's just that's just final justice against Karen. Don't get me wrong. My favorite character in this show is Karen. Without a doubt, 100%, she is a boss bitch, and I love her. But she she deserved to get her comeuppance at some point, and that was the perfect one. And I can't wait to see what season two holds for her now, when she's finally been fucking humbled, as, as it was her that took their trip from three and a half years to six months to now eight years. It's, I, it, it should be very good shit. I also don't understand where, where the fuck, like, Karen got power in this whole situation other than being like super like a uh, busybody and like super like opinionated. And then I thought about how restaurants function and I was like, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Honestly though, like look at the leadership in charge. So you got Ryan Clark who is not actually a captain, but doing his best. You have Billy who is actually the most qualified person on the ship but she doesn't have the confidence to be able to take over or the backing. Like if she tried, even if she tried, no one would allow her to do it. And then you have Judd and Iris who think they're in charge. Well, Judd thinks he's in charge. And Iris's job is solely to make sure that Judd isn't in charge. So there's no one actually like in any sort of authoritarian position. So it actually creates a wonderful power vacuum for the Karen to step in and take over. That's a good point. That's a very good point. I didn't think about it. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it too, so like uh, Captain Ryan, like a, a big theme that they play on quite a bit is all of these characters just can't keep their goddamn mouths shut. So it's like <laughs> yeah. anytime yeah. there's any sort of like, you know, important pertinent information or in like a real life or death situation, you might think uh, maybe we'll keep this under wraps until we have a plan. They're out there, you know, spouting it in uh, the bars or, you know, in the common areas or whatever. And then, you know, someone's liable to find out. And usually she's kind of has her ear to the ground just by the nature of what her character's personality is. So she always would be able to wield that knowledge as power and i think that's how she ascends the ranks and then you know becomes what she becomes i hated her character in the first couple episodes man i was hoping they shot her out the, mm -hmm. the goddamn airlock and then by the end of it i was like you know i i liked it i mean that, i think that's a testament to the writing of the show and how they develop the characters because there's a few characters i absolutely fucking hated in the first couple episodes but then i did uh, you know i wouldn't say karen was my favorite character but i liked her at the end, I was like, okay, yeah, you know, like, uh, what's what's going to happen <laughs> next season? I um, also like... <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I was going to say Ethan Phillips as Spike Martin. Oh, God. The, uh, the astronaut. Oh, he was great. Uh, which, I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but uh, that's Neelix from Star Trek yep. Voyager. It's like slapping <laughs> wet concrete. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's the one character that they purposely wanted you to like less as the season went on. <laughs> and you want to come back to my place? It's like, uh, hell yeah, any hole. 
<laughs> I'll, get it, I'll get it any way I can. Hole's a hole. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, what was the uh, what, what was the husband's name? The estranged husband, the carrot Frank, or no, Doug. no, no, that was Doug. Oh, uh, Doug. I just love yeah. when he's like uh, they're they're walking down when they're looking for Matt, and he's like, oh man, I can never match Cobra, and then he's like, well, just call me like uh, what was it? Oh, it was some other type of snake, and he's like, well, that's just another Python, snake. Yeah. He's like, no, I'm just gonna call you Doug. <laughs> <laughs> God, um, goofy shit. So was Spike? So was Spike so stupid, or he wasn't even stupid because he he caught on on the bridge. He knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. But is 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 that like kind of a testament to the um, neutering of the space program by private corporations? Do you think? Like everything is 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 like automatically piloted at this point. Everything is so like this is kind of this is the kind of astronaut we have left. Like this is the kind of guy that could become an astronaut now because it's not that hard well, anymore. No, no. I so I think I think Spike Martin was a good astronaut. I think the point there being is now he has been made uh, absolute. Uh, with, absolute. Thank you. Um, and in his obsolescence, he just became a you know womanizing alcoholic. I think that's the point they're they're trying to make is that he's no longer useful because things have become more streamlined and society doesn't have a place for him. I, uh, I think yeah. the funny thing is too like uh, with his character. If you think of the timeline, you kind of look at it like Spike's character's us. Like Spike's a millennial. And that's that's what yeah. I think is hilarious. Like if you look at just the way he dresses, and he's got like the forearm tattoo, he's got like the the Botger tattoo going on. Like he's he's totally he's totally like us in that era. Like he's he's very like he seems intelligent. He seems like he's you know pretty grounded, and like he obviously had a passion for what he did, and like he was good at it and whatever. But now he's just kind of. Fuck it, he's just along for the ride because you know this. This is what's this is what's going on, and like, who's to say when we're all on our you know space luxury cruise liners, uh, you know, forty years from now that we're not going to be that guy too? I'd like to think we'll be that. We'll all be that guy. I like to think I'll have very <laughs> I'm strong already hair there. follicles. Like <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> no, I uh, I was gonna say that one scene. I feel like talking about uh karen's clout and karen's um power um there was that one scene where frank gets carried off and they're just like like they were just like shoot him out of the airlock or whatever that whatever the fuck it was and it's funny that like it was kind of just everybody just became a mob within 0.2 seconds and i feel like that was like throughout the throughout the entire season that was like a big motif is that just this mob mentality that takes over when I don't know when when incompetent leaders and people who think they're overly confident in their abilities come together and the uh, wonderful things that humans do to each other. I think it's also more than that, because the one thing you got to remember is that these people are all spoiled, rotten, filthy, rich assholes. Uh No one is used to being told no. No one is used to being told that something is going wrong. So literally manages a sports store, a sports equipment store. uh, Rob, sorry, not all of them, because Rob, (laughs) Rob, Rob was bought him and his wife the ticket. 
um, in this case. But every all, all the rest of them, unless they uh, unless they got unless they got their ticket from someone else. So Karen also, we don't really totally know. But like most of them are supposed to be like filthy rich. Like that's the idea. Like you know, you you can't a, a normal person can't afford this ticket. That's why they call Karen early on. Uh, uh, what's his name? Matt. Uh, he calls her a stowaway early on because it's, she wasn't the one who bought the ticket. It was her sister, and they're using her ticket. So he's like, yeah, you know, like, you could get a new room, but also, like, aren't you guys technically stowaways? Um, and so that kind of, like, pushes them down a bit. Um, but I, I, I think, like, while I agree with what you're saying, Bill, and I see that point of view, this is also just a, a massive critique of the spoiled... Uh, the spoiled rich who who have never been told no at the end of the day. These are the people who, of course, they're going to throw a temper tantrum when someone tries to take control. Of course, they're going to throw a temper tantrum. Like these aren't these aren't mobs. They are temper tantrums at the end of the day. It's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, that's the type of person that's that's the background character. Is that it's a uh, the boomer. and it's funny because actually like now that i'm really really thinking about it all of our main cast save for judd and iris are the the poor ones on the ship now that i come to think about it you've got uh you've got doug and his wife who i forget his name mia mia You've got Doug and Mia, and you've got Karen and uh, Frank, and then Ron and Billy, and and then the comedian, the stand-up comedian, who is just awful in every way. Uh, <laughs> and, and and none of them are, are there because they're rich. They're all there because uh, so they got there some, some way else. You know, Ryan's working. Billy, she works on the ship. Uh, Doug and Mia were brought there by Rob and then Frank and Karen got there from Karen's sister. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of, I guess they're kind of, that's why they're kind of the protagonists of the show. That's the way I see it at least. Hmm. That's fair enough. I saw that uh, one of the writers was Will Smith, but it's not the actor Will Smith. Yeah, I saw that in the credits. Comedian <laughs> Will Smith. I was wondering about that. I was that. like, hmm, he's really kind of... I was like, damn, Will. T- ...taking some creative uh, cre- creative leaps. I, I wish we had more day. time with Patterson Joseph. Uh, the uh, uh, Harrison A, sorry. There's like a, the, the actor's name on IMDb. I, I wish oh, we had Judd's, a little more uh, time with him. Judd's rival? Yeah, he was ah, so good. Oh yeah, he's great. Showed up right at the end, but <sighs> oh my Sorry, god, oh oh the tragedy and timing thing. So right after the airlock scene, when they're coming in on the shuttle and the bodies just hit the windshield, <laughs> that was the funniest shit ever. Like I died with Emily. That was wonderful. I don't know. That was one of those things where the timing is actually it's just masterful in the show. The timing is yeah. just beautiful. Because you're also oh, like Rav is dealing with the fact that she's trying to get away from Earth because it's such a mess. And before she could yeah. even dock with the the shuttle or dock the shuttle, it's they're literally running into the dead bodies, showing how <laughs> awful things are in front of her as well. <laughs> and that's something Inuchi's just just really good at. Like he, he at least his writer's room is 
is is these scripts are are always just kind of top notch. I think I think a lot of the show's early problems didn't have to do with the script itself. I think it just had to do with trying to find its its footing and trying to find what kind of show it wanted to be. And I think halfway through, it decided on on what kind of show it wanted to be, and it was just gold from there on out. I agree. The, the second half of the show completely had me. The first few episodes, I was like, oh, this is fun. But by the end of the season, I'm excited for season two now. Yeah. Well, you had a group of characters that, for the most part, seemed like they were just going to be static. And then there was, I think, surprise character development out of several of them. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a surprising... Yeah, you're right. The character development was actually fantastic. I did not expect that. You're right. Well, it's funny because here we started this episode out and I said, you know, I'm kind of uh, in the middle on it. And then, you know, spent the last 45 minutes talking about all these anecdotes and like things that I remembered from it. So obviously it stuck with me or resonated with me more than maybe I initially thought. Um, And I think I definitely agree. Um, I think Matt just said it. Uh, I definitely would have to say, and I think I said before that as the show went on for me, it got stronger. I think after those first few episodes, it definitely did find its footing. And uh, I thought the stuff that really stuck, really stuck. I think that for me, it's it's mainly just a consistency thing. And I think um, I haven't really followed any of this creative team's works before. I, I have not watched Veep, so I can't really comment on it. But it seems like you guys are speaking pretty highly of it. Um, it seems to me like from what I've heard they tend to, I don't know, the shows tend to get more and more solid as they kind of go. I heard that people say like the second season of Veep was like incredible. Um, So, I mean, I don't know, but I'm really wondering if maybe now they kind of can look back and say, hey, this is what worked in season one. This is what maybe didn't work. We know at this point what type of show we want to be. We know what themes we want to explore um and that it will it'll be even more solid going into the second season because i mean they certainly now have so many threads dangling and so many different directions they could go um i think i'm, I'm definitely interested to see what they do with these characters now um and it, it's kind of ridiculous you know that the time factor here keeps getting longer and longer and longer who's to say by the end of season two it's not going to be you know a 30-year voyage or something stupid like that but um yeah i think i definitely probably enjoyed this more than i was giving it credit for initially oh yeah definitely um it was definitely a sleeper for me i knew about it before it even came out i think maybe we even mentioned it on a, a new segment on this show or something um but I now find myself looking forward to the second season. Um, whenever that happens, obviously current events um, has kind of put a hold on a lot of filming of things. But it's not something I'm going to hold my breath on. So I think, gentlemen, now is a good time to ask you if this was good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. So I'm actually going to start with Mark today. Interesting. So, I love the show. Um, they didn't really spend much time talking about actual sci-fi, though. Um, but I, as far as... I'm trying to remember exactly where we've been drawing the line on our, on our points here the last couple shows. I, I You draw your own line, Mark. I think it was an interesting use of aspects of sci-fi to create these like hilarious situations that themselves out of, and they like, uh, I mean, obviously it's a dark comedy, but 
the the situations were very grim and they always found a way to make it funny no matter how dark down to the last episode of like those people being you know evacuated from the ship that like just the the more it happened the more absurd and hilarious it became like the fact that they were even able to make that funny props to them it's i'm i'm loving this show and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing where it goes so good sci-fi good show all right thank you mark uh matthew no i'm sorry jason wow oh boy my b um yeah i mean i'll be brief on this one i think uh overall to me it was it was okay sci-fi um i think the show is is solid definitely uh, definitely something that i will be following um as it kind of continues here uh we'll, we'll see where the second season goes and if they kind of build on those foundations that they've laid uh with season one i i thought you know the sci-fi functions more as a backdrop in avenue five i don't think it's necessarily the the goal for them to make these uh really heady statements or like philosophize on like you know the state of the world or anything i think it's part of it certainly um and the satire is there and that's a layer if you wanted to dig into it but i don't think that's really as much of the point as with a lot of other properties we cover uh so i thought okay sci-fi i thought you know it, it definitely did it a lot better than some other things that we've done um but again i don't think that's the point of it so i can't really dock it for that i thought overall enjoyed it all right jason thank you Going on to Matthew. Yeah, I actually felt almost exactly how Jason did, where it's I think it's good sci fi. They it's mostly the just the set for them of like them being trapped in there because of space. And they do have some sci fi problems thrown at them here or there or, you know, dealing with oxygen leaks and stuff that, you know, it allows for an interesting scenario, but it doesn't really purposefully get too heavy in the parody and everything or critique so i really love the show as the dark comedy it is but i'd just say good sci-fi all right thank you ben young yeah definitely good sci-fi i think it uh uses its science fiction elements to uh critique uh the human element and kind of uh work to evoke an emotional response uh most importantly i think it's funny um i don't think it does a great job at all times but it does a good job most of the time and for that i'll say good sci-fi all right thank you ben last but certainly not least bill jarvis oh hello okay so i was gonna say so this is definitely a different side of sci-fi for sure like we usually we explore more of the the heavy stuff and this was very um this is very light in a lot of the way that stylistically the way it presented itself but um like we said like there was a lot of things about just funny things about humans which is you know any sort of drama or dark dark comedy um but i feel like it did it in a way that was like okay but this is a ridiculous way this could be solved whereas this is a situation that would occur in a serious sci-fi film and they would have taken it in a different direction but let's start with the same thing and go in a ridiculous direction with it but while also confronting the problem so i thought there was you know i thought it's good sci-fi and i enjoyed it and i definitely suggest uh you watch it if you haven't already all right folks there you have it um that is our take on Avenue Five. Colin, did you give yours? Did he you didn't. He tried to get out of it. No, I, no, no, I did. Did my not. sci-fi boy do it? Come uh, on. You caught me. I did not do it. Okay. Um, I thought this was good sci-fi. Um, I think they take 
I guess, liberties with the science side of it, but that's not uh, always my, or rarely ever is my um, benchmark for what is good sci-fi. Uh, it's definitely a critique on our current society in a lot of ways. Um, I enjoyed it. I laughed my ass off. There were so many times where <laughs> I just... I couldn't stop laughing and I just had to like either like get up and walk away or just sit there and cover my face because <laughs> it was funny. I love the characters that they wrote. Um, Hugh Laurie crushed it. Um, I can't wait for the second season. So uh, I will say that this was good sci-fi. I enjoyed it. You happy, boys? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Happy. happy. Yeah, it's important. I am. All right. Um so that's all we have for you today. That is our take on Avenue 5. Um, if you haven't watched it already, you're an idiot for listening to it this far. But also thank <laughs> well, you for listening. <laughs> well, thank <laughs> you for listening, first of all. <laughs> no. Um, Subscribe honestly. to the Patreon. Yeah. Well, okay. um, <laughs> oh, man. What are we doing next week? Ben, you changed the schedule. What is it? Uh, Amazon Prime snuck out a little... Uh, original amazon prime film called the vast of night that we're going to cover and see see how that is i hear good things so okay it's a period piece right i have no clue I looked up a little yes about it. I, yeah I think it, it is place during the 1950s yep. all i know is it's a sci-fi thing so oh, okay we'll find um, out so that's what that's what we're covering next week so look for that uh bill Quick question for you. So say I uh, I really enjoy sci-fi cross-sections and I, I want to kind of give back to all the joy that I've experienced over this past episodes I've listened to. Also, I kind of want more content, you know, I just I, I like the weekly episodes that come out, but I just I want something more. What can I do? Oh, well, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash sci-fi cross sections. And like you said, Colin, um, it's about giving back to the show and making sure that we are supported in a way that we can continue doing this because we love it and we love that you guys love it. Um, So just go to patreon.com forward slash sci-fi cross sections and then um, you can see what options you have there. And we have tiers that have uh, available bonus content, which includes what we just did, uh, Mars Attacks, which I wasn't, I was unfortunately not a part of but that was a hilarious movie um i very much enjoyed it so and then also my futurism podcast uh which uh is just part of the bonus content you can't get it anywhere else so yep all right thank you um ben what can people do on sundays every sunday at 5 p.m central standard time you could watch dungeons and dragons if that's your kind of thing at twitch.tv slash once upon a tavern underscores between the words uh they just fought an appleth last week and we're going to be jumping a month ahead in time, and so it should be a fairly interesting uh, session next week. So just join us, 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Um, real quick, does anybody else have anything they want to say? Oh, yeah, I'm going to plug away. All right, plug it, boy. Uh, so this last weekend, recorded uh, three new songs with my friends in the uh, Northwest Indiana thrash metal band Wraith. You can find them on Instagram at Wraith Thrash. Uh, actually have a split coming out. I think physical copies on vinyl, uh, cassettes, the whole nine yards, probably on Spotify in the next couple weeks. So that'll be cool. Those songs are fun. I played some very fast solos. Um, 
which is always good, I guess. And uh, also on the Minds Horizon front, which is my progressive metal band, we have a new song coming out this Friday, which when you're listening to this is one day away. So make sure you check it out on your Apple Music, Spotify, uh, YouTube, wherever else you stream your music. Minds Horizon of a redone version of an old classic song completely re-recorded and sounding pretty badass. Woo! I'm excited. I'm excited. Excited for that. Man. Yes. It's going to be good. It is good. All right, folks. Uh, well, there you have it. Uh, thank you for listening. And until next time. <laughs>